Be confident. Be bold. Be authentic. But don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 60. In this episode, we will be talking to Emily Rose. Emily is an author of Break Your Bad Love Habits and an entrepreneur. We talk about committed action versus inspired action, embracing failure, and why you should just start where you are. Stay tuned because I know you're going to love this episode. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or you're badass, I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is Emily Rose. Emily, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Marie. Excited to be here. So first off, before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself to be ordinary or badass? (laughs) I would say I'm pretty badass. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Own it. (laughs) Why do you think, or why do you consider yourself badass? Um, is when I choose what I'm going to do, I do it and I achieve it. Have you always been that way or was it something like that kind of triggered that in you? Huh. Um, I've always been driven. Um, I, uh, I was actually born, um, with a very strong inclination toward ballet um, so even pre-verbally, I was obsessed with ballet. And, and so, uh, my parents helped facilitate that. And, um, so from a very young age, um, from about two or three years old, I was like on a, a mission to be a professional ballet dancer. And so I spent my youth training for that and, um, in San Francisco and was a pre-professional ballet dancer. And so even just from a very early age, I've been very on purpose and driven, um, and at the same time, I am by far a starter, not necessarily inherently a finisher. <laughs> and so the coming to completion, when I do choose something, you know, I think what I mean is that I've <laughs> um, learned how to complete. Um, I actually took it on as a, um, as a project. I took on intentionally finishing what I had just started earlier in life um, back in about uh, 2011. I, I chose to like look back at my life and be like, what did I start and not finish? And then one by one, I picked up this thing and I went and I finished all those things. And then it made me very much like more conscious of what I <laughs> start again in the future. So um, yeah. And so to know that I can do that, even though that's not my inherent, um, skill set, which is definitely to start a million things, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that's what makes me. Yeah. Right. So by going back and finishing all those things that you started, did that teach you anything about yourself? Yeah. It really taught me, um, to be cognizant of what I do choose to start. Um, and it also, it taught me that 
the programming that I got growing up um, that I was, um, you know, bad at uh, finishing or completing. Um, I can't even remember the phrase anymore. It used to be one of my limiting beliefs and I, I can't even remember it anymore. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got that programming like drilled into me growing up and, and I, so yeah, what it taught me is that it's absolutely not true. I do have a genius at starting things and I am perfectly capable of finishing them as well. <laughs> so what would you say to the woman out there who's always starting things and quitting things and doesn't think that she's capable of finishing them? Yeah. Um, so everything is a choice and it is wonderful to know your priorities. And so instead of adopting a belief set that potentially disables finishing, instead what you're doing and just realize that certain things become more of a priority. And if you want, you can prioritize uh, other things that you would like to have completed, such as a book or, um, <laughs> or perhaps uh, that was one of the things on my list, actually. And I did. And that's what, you know, created that trajectory for me, um, because for your listeners, Marie and I met through when I was a book uh, writing and publishing coach for a company. And so we first uh, encountered each other and um you know, and that trajectory happened because I chose to go finish my book and then eventually was hired by that company. Um, so for the ladies out there, for the listeners out there who do start a lot of things and then get like squirrel, you know, onto other <laughs> things, and really it's just about following inspiration, right? And I think that is absolutely lovely and wonderful and it's like play and it's so fun and, um, and just look at where you want to go. Um, so what is the ultimate result you would like to achieve and let that be your North star. Um, I can also go for hours on a concept that I, I've, um, uh, defined called committed action versus inspired action. Um, and maybe we'll get into that later on, but that's something else that applies here. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So we've already heard just a little bit about you. We, will you share with us a short bio so that the audience can hear and learn more about you? Yeah, so I help uh, burned out entrepreneurs who are stuck in the grind or entrepreneurs who've been inundated by the mindset of the grind um, to, and they maybe stop seeing results or they're on the burnout. Um, maybe they've lost their sense of purpose or they're looking for their sense of purpose or looking for that um, destination of a, looking for what they are aiming to achieve in their lifetime. Um, I help them reconnect with themselves and get into business, rediscover themselves as flow. So orient themselves towards um, being in flow in business so that everything does feel like inspired action, but they're still making their way towards that goal so, um, so that they can live a productive life of ease and abundance and inspiration and motivation. I've also, uh, I have a degree in psychology from Harvard University. I am a best-selling author and I have coached over 200 to 300 people globally. Um, I'm the founder of Visionary Entrepreneurs United and where we help entrepreneurs increase their revenue while doing good in the world. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Um, yes. Yeah, so my book was, uh, my book is Break Your Bad Love Habits. And I started off my coaching journey as a relationship coach. So um, I developed my first relationship coaching program as a five month program. And then I, um, that was 
basically ended up being the outline for my book, which is a five-step process. And um, the book, uh, you know, one of the things that happens, I even just was with a client this last weekend on a, a VIP day, um, and it was happening with her. Um, one of the things that happens with entrepreneurs who are um, multi-talented multi and multi-interest uh, people, I think there's a term for that. What is it? Um, it's like multi, I can't remember the term, but uh, anyway, people who really like do, doing and trying a lot of things, feel a lot of inspiration um, to, uh, for variety, you know, novelty, and then eventually the, the, the novelty wears off, and so then they <laughs> want to go try to start something else. Um, right, so one of the things that can happen as um, sort of a, a thought set that will stop someone from taking action towards a desired result is that um, they don't want to they, they they're think they're thinking it's actually the same reason like people stop um maybe finish it they don't go to finish their book maybe they don't go and really launch their business um it's because they don't want to be they're multifaceted individuals and they don't want to be pigeonholed into one one topic and so that was what my thought was around the book and why i hadn't finished or launched the book completely because it was a relationship book and i knew that i wasn't just a relationship relationship coach and i didn't want to be seen as just a relationship coach. And I was like, well, then I shouldn't publish this book because then as I grow, that's what I'm going to grow from. And, um, and really that, 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 um, fear of like not capturing the whole essence of who you are, whether it's in, in your book topic or in your business, um, really stops a lot of people from, from launching, whether that's business or book or anything else. Um, and especially for those people who are really multidimensional like that. And so, um, so again, I'm kind of giving angle this towards advice, like don't let that stop you, just start somewhere, you know, and because you can really always build on top of whatever that momentum gives you, like that, like that act of launching and seeing something through actually does bring momentum and you can direct that momentum then to something, um, to maybe a different topic or a different aspect of one of your facets you want to now bring into the picture. Um, but just one, start somewhere, and two, start where you are, like with what you are equipped to start with. So for me, my book, Break Your Bad, Break Your Bad Love Habits, I was most equipped to be a relationship coach when I started coaching. Um, I had already been studying romantic relationships for 10 years informally, formally as well through Harvard. Um, but, you know, ultimately, like I, I uh, relationship coaching is like a small aspect of what I do. And yet it, it is also actually a large aspect of what I do. When people come to me for business coaching now, um, it's almost the first thing that we start with is what's up with their relationships, not even intentionally. I don't even bring that up. It's most people, it, relationships are such an like impact the whole human and at Visionary Entrepreneurs United and at Emily Rose Coaching, um, we work with the whole human as an entrepreneur. And so it's really informed a lot of what we do in our coaching, um, even though it's just a component of it. Of course, we do business strategy and money mindset and things like that as well. So, um, yeah. So I don't know. Sorry. I think it's so interesting how sometimes you do things along the way and you're taking steps and you don't necessarily see the bigger picture. Like you just know, oh, I feel like I'm relationship coaching right now. And you just take that first step, even if that's not the whole piece of the pie or the whole pie per se. Um, but I think it's funny how it kind of fits together in the end or when you're looking back on your looking back on it, it's like, oh, it makes sense now. Totally. <laughs> totally. So do you think that um, 
for the multi-passionate person, do you think that part of that trouble getting started is due to fear? Um, just fear of taking action or fear of doing the wrong thing? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be, it, there's going to be something, you know, kind of a different angle on it for everyone. Um, usually, if somebody's not getting started, it is some form of fear. Um, but that fear could be uh, like a number of things. Um, you know, in my company, we do work with those, we call them limiting beliefs. Um, yeah, fears. Um, we do. I actually, I actually am a shadow worker. So I, I work with the shadow, which is, um, which is those limiting beliefs and those fears. And we, um, I kind of guide the person through that uh, to be able to integrate those fears um, and not have them, you know, rule their actions anymore, basically, um, as opposed to deny them or try to dominate the fear. So I've never heard that phrase before, shadow worker. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So in every every human has both the like light side of themselves and the shadow side of themselves. So the light side of ourselves is what we show on Facebook. It's what we are proud of, what we have in our bios, what we you know um, are kind of known as by others. Um, and and yet we also every person has a shadow part of themselves as well, which is. Um, some version of the unseen or the unaccepted. So the unseen part of the self can show up in when we are like critical of others or judgmental of others. So we may be judging someone or very or angry at someone or critical of someone because um, in fact, we inherently have that mindset or that quality um, that we are, that's invisible to us currently. And so it's triggering us, but we haven't identified the fact that that's actually ours, not theirs. Um, and that's something then that would live in the shadow. Um, and a shadow worker would um, start to reveal, right, one, one's shadow to, to themselves so that you can then bring that aspect into the light and integrate it and accept that part of yourself so that you can move forward as a whole confident, you know, healthy, authentic human in the world. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense because you can't fix something or you can't change some change something if you don't know that it's an issue or if you don't realize it's there and it's holding you back. So thank yeah. you for explaining that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your wins. Can you share with us something that you're most proud of accomplishing? <laughs> I love that a number of things come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I am. I'm really proud of. Um, I'm really proud of my romantic relationship. I'm really proud of what I've done there as far as, um, you know, I wrote Break Your Bad Love Habits because I was raised with this tumultuous, um, my parents like got divorced and back together multiple times and just didn't have good modeling when it came to um, what a romantic relationship should be. And at the same time, I've always been really into psychology. So even as a kid, I was sort of like taking note of what not to do. And that's why I had studied um, informally romantic relationships for a decade, literally like in books and things like that. Um, by the time I was going to coach, uh, start my coaching business in like 2011 or 12. And um, 12. And so having broken those habits and patterns for myself and a relationship that I have today with my partner that is, um, uh, that's a huge win for me that I'm, that I'm very proud of. Um, uh, I'm also very proud of going back to school as an adult and, 
um, getting into Harvard and finishing school as an adult through Harvard um, and getting, uh, and then also kind of what I did with that. Um, I graduated at the top of my class and so I feel very proud of that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it feels really good. It was really a fun experience. And I'm really proud of where I've gotten my business to, specifically um, my team. I'm really proud of having the team that I have. It's um, the, the people that I do create with and grow my company with. Um, I couldn't be I couldn't be more proud of who I've brought into my world and also with my clients and community. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't know if proud is the right word, humbled, honored by the people that surround me in life at the moment. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Great for myself as far as people. <laughs> so can you, let's talk about your kind of your business and how you've grown that and gotten the team of people around you. What is something that most people don't know about what it took to accomplish that? Ooh. Um, yeah. So I use the word humble. That is not also, um, something that, you know, there's these strengths finders, um, profiles, like humility was actually at the bottom for me, which is hilarious to me. Um, and, uh, totally get it. It's, you know, as unfortunate as that is, that was something that, um, you know, I just had to get smacked down like so many times, right? So some of the things that it took to get there, you know, one of them was getting smacked down over and over and I get smacked down all the time. You know, um, I've embraced, um, I, I've not only embraced failing, um, I love failing. We actually, in part of our company culture, it, we have a four-step process for celebrating uh, failures, celebrating our, and, and I love the word failure, so I'm not afraid to use it here. Um, so basically, we have a mistake party that we throw. Um, it's a four-step process. So when somebody makes an epic mistake, you know, you bring it to, <laughs> we bring it to the group and um, name the mistake, acknowledge the mistake. That's step one. Step two is uh, we throw a dance party. So somebody puts on music, we get up and we just like dance it out and we all just celebrate the person <laughs> and the mistake. Um, step number three is the person then shares like what they learned from the mistake. And step number four is um, if anything else needs to be spoken um, or we just pause and each person sometimes take a, takes a turn um, acknowledging that person who made a mistake for the mistake that they made. So this is where I've, you know, um, taken me to like a whole other level and like completely like, uh, you know, uh, owning, owning mistakes, owning the failures. It, that's one of the things that, um, you know, to get where I've gotten to that has been fully embraced. Um, uh, so just learning how to take smackdowns. Um, yes. Specifically, I have a mentor who's an incredible, uh, I mean, he's a genius. He's um, a multi, 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 multi millionaire um, businessman, multiple, multiple businesses that are in the, you know, um, uh, however many digits, hundreds of millions is, um, you know, and, and he's my member. Um, I'm in his, uh, a year long mastermind, uh, program with him. And every quarter, you know, I walk away with my tail between my legs, I go and I iterate on what I'm doing. So it's a, it, I'm talking like severe smackdowns, right. Um, that reshape my direction and, um, and, but talk about like blind spots being revealed, you know? And so just, I know it sounds extreme, but that is what it's taken. You know, it's one of the main things that's given me as much um, uh, as kind of a, I've been on a fast growth, I've kind of 
for, I've been in business for, I guess, eight years now. And it's only been in the last year, a uh, little less than a year that this kind of growth spurt has happened. That's brought the team together, created these, you know, um, uh, five figure launches that we've been doing this year multiple times. And, um, and it's because of that, I would say like primarily, um, that and my education that I've been getting. Yeah. So I love so much of what you had to say there. What I think is really important for the O2Bers is embrace failure. Have a freaking dance party over your failure, you know, um, learn something from it. And then how can you pivot and move on? So I think that that is a huge takeaway um, that we can all implement in our own life. It doesn't have to be in business. You know, if you fail when you're trying to do something at home as a mom, you know, um, as a spouse, you can learn from it and move on. So I love that. Um, Emily, can you tell us a little bit about what, because you talked about being in a mastermind, how has having like a mentor helped you or changed you? Um, yes. So I, it, um, I would say, first of all, like if anybody's looking for mentorship or coaching, like choose your person wisely. Um, and, and for me, um, I, I, <laughs> there have only ever been a few people that I would want in that position in my life, um, which was probably to my own detriment, having been so kind of selective, you know, over the years, like I probably would have gotten further faster if I had um, been more open to mentorship earlier. Um, but I definitely, you know, strong-headed Emily, lack of humility Emily was going to figure it out her way and do it her way. And I still do a lot of things my way. And that's, <laughs> many mistake parties um but but it's also what makes our the what the work that we're doing and the community that we're building and, and the culture that we're building um so unique because i really am kind of a stand for us doing things differently um even within like what we're teaching and how how we're executing so um so for for me it's made um it's having a mentor like this specific mentor has um allowed me to um, scale my company and create uh, cons the consistency and the stability that has been so elusive for the past eight years. Yeah. Um, I think that, that having a mentor, having somebody, it could be so helpful. I'm a lot like you. Like I just want to take the bull by the horns and do it myself and figure it out. But when you actually, we can't do everything on our own, you know? You have to listen to somebody else sometimes who's been through it. And I've found that that's so helpful as well. Uh, let's pivot a little bit and talk about your struggles. Tell us about a time where you gave up, but now you wish you wouldn't have. Okay. So that's a really tough one for me because I intentionally, very specifically live my life in a way that I do not have regrets. Mm -hmm. And so that phrasing like now that I, you know, that I wish I wouldn't have, I was like, oh gosh, is there anything, right? But there is one thing I can identify specifically around business, um, and that is, um, it's along the same lines of what we're talking about, actually, which is quite revealing, even for me in this moment, um, and that is the very first uh, mentor, he wasn't directly a mentor, I was learning from him and his company, um, but not from him directly, through his, more so through his programs, um, and more like group coaching kind of stuff, The what he was teaching about um, how to build like very basic stuff, but it was like how to build, 
um, your offer, your program, um, how to sell, things like that. I, I guess, you know, it's, it's sort of like maybe I, I don't know if I don't trust authority. I mean, that's definitely part of it. Um, but I, I, or maybe even respect, like don't respect authority. I think that's part of what has been ingrained in me. Um, and, and thus I, um, I did what he said, but I did it begrudgingly. Um, and I did do really well with, with the lessons that he taught, but I didn't, um, I gave up when I, when, um, I, I mean, I had to, so I guess I don't regret it because I had, so I went through a burnout um, and depression uh, after my first year and a half of being in business. I, after working with this company and like really going full out for, you know, 12 to 14 hour days in front of my computer for like a year and a half when I first started my business, um, first from a place of inspiration and then from a place of like kind of that begrudging feeling. Um, I eventually crashed and burned and I went into a depression for a year and a half and I gave up my business during that time. And that's when I started working for that, um, uh, writing and publishing company as a coach. And, and so in a sense, I really did have, I I had to give up my business at that time, uh, just because I was not in a place where I could do anything. And at the same time, if I had, if I had been able to, not be so maybe dismissive of, of authority or, you know, not be so strong, like bullheaded in doing things my way. And, um, then perhaps I wouldn't have been so negatively impacted when things didn't work out. Perhaps I would have, you know, I, maybe I would have been, I definitely would have been more in a creator or ownership, um, uh, taking responsibility for myself sort of mindset if I had been more open to, to mentorship at that age and, and in that era of my life. Um, and then when I, when things didn't work out, I would have been able to have a different maybe response to that versus um, just straight up depression. So yeah, so I would say that would be it is um, maybe not have, there's a, a concept that I use in my coaching called the uh, DDT. It's the dreaded drama triangle. It comes from the book, The Power of Ted, uh, which is an amazing book. Ted stands for the empowerment dynamic. Um, and I, I see that I had put this mentor in a place of, um, he was the, uh, basically the, uh, my, I had eventually, I initially thought of him as like my rescuer. Um, and then eventually he was my persecutor, but that makes me the victim in both circumstances. And so while I was learning from him, it was highly educational and I was really excited at first, but eventually I had that little rebel inside of me come up and um, yeah, and, and I just had a, I was in a different mindset, um, an unproductive, disempowering mindset, even from almost the get-go in working with this, this company's material. And so to answer your question, um, that would be something that I gave up and, um, it's not that I hadn't, but it's definitely that if I hadn't, um, or if I had rather, if I had been engaging with it, with the material differently from a creator mindset, then, then I, I, I think things would have wound up differently. I, I know I wasn't able to answer your question directly because I yeah, really don't no. live a life with where right. I regret anything necessarily, but, um, yeah, well, perhaps 
can you talk to that a little bit? Like why you don't live a life of regret? I think it's easy to kind of get sucked into all of your regrets or your failures or whatever. Um, but sometimes just accepting how it is, I know can help. What is your perspective on regret? Yeah. Um, great question. I, I, in, let's see, in 2009, um, eight, 2008, I had a, an experience, uh, I guess in, like an aha, we can call it an aha moment. It was a little deeper than that, but um, I had an experience where I, um, I was confronted with my own death and um, not physically, but um, well, basically spiritually, it was, I, I had pretty much the equivalent of a, a near-death experience, um, but not physically. Uh, it just happened. It just happened to happen like in my psyche and in my spiritual, um, I, I guess, in my spiritual experience. Um, I was just kind of slammed with it in, in a moment. And all of a sudden, I just had this like sense of my mortality. And I was, uh, this was 2008, so I was um, 25 years old. And, and I, since then, they have walked with death by my side. So I intentionally evaluate, I'm consistently evaluating my life um, as if I only had um, a certain time left on earth. So if I, you know, I'm, um, I check in on that. Um, I used, I did it for every, I lived like that every day for the next few years after that um, thing happened in 2008. And now it's something I just make sure to check in on is, you know, if I was going to die in two weeks, what would I do right now? And um, if I was going to die in two months, if I was going to die in two years, you know, and I just like check in on, on that and let that um, guide me. And, and, and by doing that, I make sure that the decisions I'm making um, are, and as long as I'm doing it from a place of presence. So that's the other component of this is that um, getting really present to to life in this moment, this moment, because this is the only that is actually real, and it's actually everything. It's the only thing we have. Everything else lives in the head. The future ideas of the future are just imaginings, and um, uh, the past has already happened, and it's just memories. And the only thing that really exists is right now. And so, by getting really present right now, um, and looking at life like this place right here, right now, is this is true for you is this an, a true expression you know of, of of what you want right now and if i you know i i live my life so that i can say yes you know if, if whether if i ask myself the question you know um if i was you know if i had two years left to live is this what i would be doing um i i must say yes and if i don't then you know okay like well no actually i don't be doing this other thing then i can go do that other thing i think that that's a that's a great point and it definitely helps you maybe from not going down the rabbit hole too far um so you don't just keep living a life or doing things that aren't important you turn around five years later and like why did i just waste you know five years of my life <laughs> so yeah what is something you've had to overcome to get to where you are now so something I'm, you know whether we're looking at it as hardship or something that i've had to overcome um i <laughs> So through the so through this depression, I, I so I went into depression uh, for a year and a half, and I worked for a company, um, a writing and publishing uh, company, and I coached over 150 people uh, during that time. And 
I was walking these people over the course of that year, like through a process um, or through a system rather um, of getting their books from basically no idea, maybe a hint of an idea, you know, through to um, publishing and launching and becoming Amazon bestsellers in 90 days. And granted only a percentage of those 150 people actually made it through all the way to those last steps. Um, and, but, um, through that process of coaching people through this system, I realized eventually, like it was really great at first, a lot of education, really fun. But eventually I realized that I, I am not just an accountability coach. I'm not built to just run people through systems. I am a process coach. I'm meant to go deep dive with people and help them really have transformation and breakthrough. And so I knew at that time that I wanted to get back into coaching and I knew, you know, I'd let my business go for a year and year and a half during that depression. And I, so I knew that if, it, if I was going to get back into business for, for myself, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do things the same way that I was doing before, which was basically like hustling and grinding and, you know, working, um, just, you know, everything that leads to burnout. Um, and so a I knew that I was going to have to figure out another way of being in business. And when I went back into business, I made six figures that first year as a coach. And the way that I did that was by refusing actually to do anything other than what felt really good. And it, so basically the thing that I learned how to overcome was there's a few elements of it. We could name it, um, the grind. We could name it operating from a place of fight flight. So, um, we could, we could call it, um, letting my life be guided by the shoulds. (laughs) So all of that is what I overcame to be able to do what I've done. Um, it's also obviously what I teach on now. Um, so this, the, what happens when a body is grinding it out all day or operating from a place of the shoulds is that the, um, sympathetic nervous system is pretty consistently activated. Um, the actions that one takes are often, fueled by adrenaline and eventually the adrenals, you know, get um, get out really out of whack and the, um, and this fight flight way of operating, it creates a lot of eventually anxiety. And um, ultimately then there is a crash and burn point. Um, I have a whole, uh, a spectrum that shows the trajectory of burnout. And so I have a little map and people can identify where they are on that map um, so that they don't go all the way to the crash and burn point. Um, but, um, but to remedy that, to, to get to where I am now, um, I had to learn a different way of being in business. So I had to learn how to get rid of this grind mindset, this idea that um, there's never enough time, there's never enough money, Um, I had to get out of the not enough paradigm is what I call it. Um, I had to get off of the path of push and I embraced the path of pleasure. These are my terms that I use to talk about this stuff. And ultimately that's what has, yeah, gotten me to where I am. 
So what's one thing that our listeners can do to avoid burnout? Just that is identify where in your days you're operating from the shoulds. Where are you operating from a place of obligatory action? And the very, very, very first step is to identify that and, and then literally stop doing those things. Um, so just one by one, you identify it. And if you feel like, oh my gosh, this is such a should, I really, you know, should send, like do this Facebook live or send these emails out. Like, don't, don't. <laughs> and instead <laughs> tune in to what you really want to do. What would feel like pleasure is the way I put it. Um, I actually use that word very specifically um, because what happens is somebody might um, think that they're doing something that is something they want to do, um, but it's still just a distraction. So like, it's like, oh, I just, you know, pull up Facebook and I scroll or like I go online, I take a break and I go online shopping or, you know, I do something like that. It's like, that's not actually pleasure, like bod embodied pleasure, right? It's more, that is still just a distraction. And so it still actually just lives in the same, the same paradigm of right. the not enough for the shoulds. So, um, so I use that word very intentionally. And so that's what the listeners here could do yeah. as an action step to not to avoid burnout. Yeah. I think that's so important. We, like you said, we often think we should do something or maybe you learned it from a parent or just growing up, you learned it a certain way, but that doesn't mean you have to do it. This is, this is your life, you know, choose it or be intentional about it. So Emily, earlier you talked about um, committed action versus inspired action. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. And we definitely don't have enough time to talk about all the things that I love yes. to like teach on and discuss um, here, but I, but briefly, you know, there are things that then you would need to do that in your days uh, as a business owner, as a human, that maybe you do feel uh, a should around and yet still need to be done. Um, so one option is, well, not just one option. The very first step is to actually not do the thing and actually tune into what would feel like pleasure and then go do that thing instead. Um, that's getting you back into, it's filling your cup. It's getting you back into a place where you actually have the fuel to do anything or something. Um, now committed action is a different, and again, I don't have time to go into more detail about the differences with the shoulds and how you can really transform a should into inspired action. But outside the realm of inspired action or those obligatory actions lives uh, committed action. And committed action actually is, um, is action that happens that is um, integrated with the identity. So your identity, uh, like if you have an identity of, let's say, let's say, let's say your mom, as a mom, you do certain things and you don't even think about it. You don't do them because you're inspired to do them. You don't do them and they don't feel like shoulds. You just do them because it's part of what you do as a mom, right? Um, if you, a person with, you know, good dental health, like you brush your teeth probably like, you know, morning, <laughs> nighttime, like you just do it. It's not a grind. It's not something you feel inspired to do. You just do it. And so committed action can, um, uh, you can, committed action is part of one's identity. And so um, I used Harvard as an example. I ended up, you know, I went back to school as an adult and I ended up going through Harvard um, to finish school for five years. And I did it while growing my business and never did 
the I, I, I had to I had to spend uh, two to three days a week, literally full days, two to three full days a week on my classwork, on my homework, things like that. And for five years and um, never once did it feel like a should uh, or a grind. And often it also, uh, after the initial, you know, first week or so of classes, I was always inspired at the very beginning because I love starting <laughs> new things like we talked about. And, um, and so eventually the inspiration to, to, to do it was also gone, but it wasn't, um, it didn't matter. Like it, was, it wasn't a choice. It's almost not even a choice. This is what I'm talking about. Committed action lives outside the space of, uh, of uh, you know, letting emotions dictate what you do, lives outside of the space of choice. Like what the choice is, is that um, initially the, the, the choice that eventually became the identity is that I'm a Harvard cum laude graduate. That I, I had that entity in place before I was even formally accepted into Harvard. And it wasn't, wasn't something that it was just questioning. That's the thing is like when talking about creating their future self or creating their best self, like there's a lot of visioning around that. And I love that. And yes, absolutely. You need the visioning element to be able to even identify who you want to be or what you want to do. And at the same time, um, if you're, uh, it, it eventually has to, like the vision has to eventually like um, get out of the realm of vision and as identity otherwise um it's 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 something elusive Uh, it's still sort of in the space of hope even if you have built towards it um it's only through creating a new identity for yourself um that it it, you know um creating and then embodying so that you can then forget about it and just be it um that you know that's where committed action stems from okay yeah thank you so much for explaining that i appreciate it um, let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want. And then if you'll share how the audience can connect with you. To identify whether their thinking pattern is that life is happening to them or are they happening to life? Which thinking pattern are they in? So my tip is to identify the thinking pattern and make sure you're in the thinking pattern that you are happening to life. I love that. So powerful. Thank you so much. Emily, how can we connect with you? Wonderful. Yes, please come to Visionary Entrepreneurs United on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, Visionary Entrepreneurs United, and you can absolutely connect with me inside of my very rich, beautiful community, Visionary Entrepreneurs United. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much, Emily. You have been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. This has been really fun. And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, own it and get after it. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, ordinarytobadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's ordinarytobadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt and get back in the arena.